What's up? My name is Josh, and thanks for checking out the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community from GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus, and we have a passion to learn, grow, and live like Him and have a ton of fun doing it. All the messages and conversations you'll find here will point you to His truth and His hope. So lean in to whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Uh, friends, I am so excited that you're here tonight. I have a very, very strong conviction in my heart. Like I, I, I'm very confident of something, and it's this. I believe that God set it up for you to be here. Like You could be anywhere today. Riley, bro, you could be anywhere, man. You guys could be anywhere on the entire planet, but for some reason, God set it up for you to be here right now. The question is why? Why is that? Maybe to engage in some worship. Maybe to get baptized. You maybe came tonight and didn't realize you're going to get baptized, but you're like, whoa, you know what? I think this is my moment. But maybe you're here tonight because God wants to speak to you. That God wants to transform something inside of you. Maybe God wants to heal you. So I want to spend a moment just acknowledging the fact that the only person in this room tonight who's going to stop you from leaving different than the way that you came is you. So I want to challenge you tonight to be brave, to, to, to be vulnerable between you and God. Because what if, what if, what if what I'm saying is true? And what if God did set it up for you to be here? That the creator of the heavens and the earth was waiting for such a time as this to touch your heart. So thanks for having me tonight. I am so happy to be here. We're going we're gonna to step into kind of like the, the, the what's next, like the, the, the week after um, Pastor Lucas's message. He spoke last week about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And my question for you is this, what does it look like being a Christian after the wilderness experience? How do, we, how do we do that? How do we process that? One of, my, one of my favorite scripture verses in the book of Matthew is actually Matthew chapter four, verse 11. Because it says so much in just a few short little words. And it says these words. It says, then the devil went away. Okay, this is referring to Jesus. He's being tempted. He's in the, in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights. The enemies, uh, the devil is tempting him. Then eventually there's victory. And the devil goes away. But it's this next verse that's very fascinating, and I need you to hear it tonight. It says, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Angels came and took care of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus needed help. Jesus needed to lean into God for help. And I don't know what it is about the human condition, but this seems like something that's counterintuitive to us sometimes. It's almost as though we feel as though we got to impress God or show off to God or, or, or trick God into thinking we're stronger than we are. And when life is kind of falling apart, what we do is we just lie to ourselves and say, well, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm doing pretty good. It's not that bad. I can do this. I can get through this. I can get through this. But friend, even Jesus needed to lean into the Lord. And the angels came and they took care of him. It's a powerful thought. So he goes through this tempting season, the season of temptation, of wilderness, of, of heartache. It's emotionally taxing, physically taxing, spiritually taxing. He's alone, he's hungry, 
The angels come and, 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 and he's, he's revived. He has this kind of joie de vie. It's returned. He's ready to run. He's ready to go. And then what happens next? Verse 12. Literally, the next verse says, When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Now, at first glance, that doesn't seem all that fantastic, except for John is his cousin. So you got to imagine, he's, he goes through this hard season, hard 40 days and 40 nights. Then, he, then the angels attend him, and he's feeling really great. Then the next thing we hear is that, hey, bro, geez, hey, it's me. Yeah, I just got to let you know, I've got some bad news. Your, your cousin, he's been canceled. Your cousin, he's in prison. Your cousin, he's got a problem. And it just feels like you, you, you can't get out of it. Just when you think you got some, a breath of fresh air, more garbage gets poured on top. Have you ever felt like that? Like what do you do when, when you're just starting to feel like you're getting buried and you're taxed? Well, I know what you do. I, I know what I do sometimes. I've, I've been around long enough. You want to give up, right? And some people in this season, maybe good close friends of yours have just given right up. And you've seen it firsthand. They just stop trying, and you know what? It's just, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, man. I'm done with this. Maybe it's you. You're only here tonight because someone invited you. <laughs> you didn't want to be here. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Ah, it's just the last place I want to be. If you knew what I was going through, Pastor, gosh, I don't want to be here. Some people get hard, they get jaded, they get cynical. And, and, and the tragedy of this particular season that we've all been walking through is that for some of you, you've adopted this as your new identity. And you're like, yo, bro, like, <laughs> life sucks and everything sucks. And, and this is just, this is how I am. I'm broken, man. It's hard. It's hard. And people are stupid. And the church is stupid. Everybody's stupid. And, and here's the worst part of this. It's, it's, you can be a fully functioning Christian and have the hardest heart in the world. But you don't have to be that way. In fact, you, you may have come here tonight just to hear that word. You don't have to be that way. Some people, what they do is they just walk away from God, right? We know, we, we know this. Life happens, pandemic happens, confusion happens, things happen, crap happens. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. I, I don't have any time for this. Doesn't seem like God's got time for me. Peace. But there's some people, though. Some people, when pain happens, they turn to God. And this is what we see in the Jesus story here. You see, pain is an interesting subject for humans. Because pain, um, because God often uses it as a tool to awaken something inside of us. It's extraordinarily important. I mean, let's be real. Pain sucks. If you put your hand, if this was a stove and I put my hand on it, that hurts. That sucks. There's nothing good about that. But it awakens something inside of me. It tells me, Adam, get, get your hand off the stove. <laughs> it hurts. Ironically, pain shows you that you're alive. See, C.S. Lewis, in the book, The Problem of Pain, he writes these words, and you've probably heard this before. It's good, but I want to say it again. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but, but he shouts to us in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf 
world. So what's he saying in this? Let's break it down. God, God whispers us to us in our pleasures. Essentially what this is saying to us is he's saying, hey, when life is good, it's actually harder to hear God because things are going good. You're not really listening to God. It's not intuitive. You're busy, you're distracted, you're doing things, you're enjoying life. And so, so it's almost as though God is whispering. He says, he speaks in our conscience. So you and I as humans, we're, we're all created in the image of God. He took a little bit of him and, and, and wove it into you when you were in your mother's womb. He, he, he deeply sewed this, this kind of moral code inside of you. So without even thinking, you've actually got a conscience where to come from. It came from God. And he speaks to you through that. Inherently, you, you, you know, for some reason, no one had to teach you, that you have this, this sense inside of you, there, there's something wrong with this, or there's something good about this, and this, this right and wrong, good and bad, yeah, some of it is taught to you, but some of it actually is ingrained inside of you, and God speaks to you through your conscience. But it's this next piece. He shouts in our pains. <laughs> It's this megaphone to, to rouse a deaf world. In other words, God uses it to wake people up. The problem, however, is just because God wakes you up, it's actually up to you as to whether or not you actually get out of bed or not. Because you can get woken up and say, yeah, you know, this hurts too much. I'm going back to sleep. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with it. I'm not going to. I'm going back to bed. See, there's something about pain that awakens. Something about pain that activates, that initiates, the, the, that ignites the human spirit. Think about the, the childbirth for a moment as a metaphor. You know, the, the idea of having a child is really easy. Anybody can think about, oh, having kids, easy. Before I had kids, man, I thought it'd be so easy, especially as a dude. I'm like, it's easy, it's easy. Truth be told, making a kid, super fun. It was awesome, right? Truth be told, truth be told. But that's not what the sermon's on. What, what I want to talk about, though, is childbirth. Not that I ever experienced it personally. <laughs> but from what I've seen, and we have four kids, that sucker hurts. <laughs> a lot of pain. A lot of pain. There's something fascinating in that. In order for there to be human life, part of the journey is extraordinarily painful. See, through pain comes life. This is true in our physical bodies. This is true with our spiritual bodies. And there's a pattern to be seen here in the Bible. You see, back to, back to the Jesus story. Jesus, he, he goes and he experiences 40 days and 40 nights of, in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil. And before he stepped into ministry, he experienced the wilderness, right? See, we all know the story. Jesus, he, he calmed the, the waves. He, he spoke and the, and the winds stopped. But before he could do that, Jesus had to experience a storm, Right? We, we've heard a story. Jesus, he, he, he rose Lazarus from the dead. But before he could raise somebody from the dead, Jesus actually had to attend a funeral. Jesus ascended into heaven, but before Jesus went and ascended to heaven, Jesus experienced a cross. You see, breakthrough comes after the battle. 
after the wilderness, after Jesus experienced these 40 days and 40 nights, after Jesus experienced this phone call that his cousin was in prison, it's at that point that something ignites, something gets initiated, something starts inside of him. And it's from that posture that he begins his ministry. So the Bible's relatively silent on Jesus' early years. We know the baby birth story. We know Jesus when he was a little toddler. We know when he got a little bit grown up. But there's a big span where there's nothing. And Jesus' ministry didn't start until after he walked through that wilderness. You see, we can learn from this. And strategically, quite honestly, I'm encouraged by this phenomenon. And here's why. Because collectively, all of us together, we're all walking through a pandemic right now, right? Each and every one of us. We've all experienced our own pains. We've all experienced our own hurts, our own upsets, our own frustrations these past couple years. Each one of us has a story. Now imagine the accumulative breakthrough, the collective breakthrough that is ahead. You see, as the church begins to catch her breath, friends, I truly believe that we are poised for a significant move of God. Tonight's evidence of this, we have 29 people who got baptized today. 29 people, friends. That's crazy. That's really amazing stuff. In this, during this pandemic, in this last year, we saw over 120 people give their hearts to the Lord on our online ministry. Friends, this is the season where churches are supposed to be closing. This is the season where, where, where churches are supposed to be shut down. But God is moving forward. He's doing something. He's doing something. How do we learn from all this? How do we live the type of life that Jesus lived after his season in the wilderness? Because I don't know about you, but I am so tired of plastic, man-made, artificial Christianity. I'm so tired of dead religion, irrelevant religion. I want to live the type of life that Jesus lived. I want people to see the way that I live out my faith and notice that there's something different about me, something supernatural. I want my kids to see me, and when they see me in the way I'm living out my Christianity, they're drawn to Jesus. They're curious about their creator. They're drawn to the local church. I want to live the kind of life that Jesus lived when he came out of the wilderness. And the question is, how do we do that? What does it look like? This is why I like the Bible. So the Bible explains these types of things. It gives us these pictures. I highly recommend you read it sometime. It's really great. But in Matthew chapter four, verse 23, see in verse 11, um, it talks about how Jesus is being um, helped out by these angels. Verse 12, he gets this phone call that his cousin's in prison. This ignites something inside of him and he makes his way to Galilee and he starts preaching the gospel and preaching the kingdom of God. And, and, and there's something inside of him that says, I need to get the word out. People need to know who I am. And it's actually in these few short paragraphs that he actually starts calling his disciples and he finds four of his disciples before we get to verse 23. Then in verse 23, we get this, it's almost like this strategy, this ministry strategy that we get introduced to in terms of how to live out your faith after you come through the wilderness. And this is what it says. 
So Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. <laughs> now, at first glance, that's like super boring. And it doesn't seem that spectacular. It's like, oh, wow, he went and teached in the synagogues. Classic Jesus. But Jesus traveled and taught the scriptures in the synagogues. You've got to picture what this means. In other, in other words, what it's saying is it's saying, <laughs> once Jesus came out of the wilderness, and once he was starting to uh, really engage ministry, you know what Jesus did? Top priority. You know what he started doing? He started attending church. He attended church gatherings and began to show people how to apply the scriptures to everyday life. That's what he did. See, friend, even Jesus went to church. <laughs> so you don't have an excuse. Church isn't our idea. It wasn't our plan. Hey, let's all hang out here. We'll have a party. It'll be super rad. Let's do it. It wasn't our plan. Church is God's idea. Church is God's idea. And in this particular season, I have met so many Christians who've told me that they're going to walk away from the church. Like, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm done. I'm done. I'm finished with this garbage. I can go and be a healthy believer on my own. It's been a hard year for folks, a real hard year. And I'm confident you probably know somebody who said the same things to you. But here's the problem, friends. It's not possible. You can't go and live a healthy Christian life without the church. You're lying to yourself. You can't do it. You cannot love Jesus and hate the church. It, it, it doesn't work like that. The two go hand in hand. You see, the Bible describes the church as the body of Christ. So picture this for a second. Let's get super graphic. I take my hand, chop it off, and I throw it on the stage right there. Okay? So, visual effect. There you go. Okay? Okay, my hand's sitting there on the stage. That hand is now cut off from the body. That hand is still a hand. Sure, so your argument sticks. Are you still a Christian? Yeah, sure, you can still be a Christian. But is that hand still alive? No. Can that hand move? No. In fact, that hand's going to rot. And I see a lot of rotting Christians. Not, uh, not here. <laughs> Everyone's like, whoa, he's throwing fire. <laughs> Right? And we see a lot of rotting Christians out there thinking, I, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. I'm still a hand, I'm still a Christian. Yeah, but you're, you're not attached to anything. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. The same principle comes, like, we, we, we know it, like the, the branches and the vine. You can't, you can't cut off a branch from the vine, otherwise it, otherwise it dies. Jesus taught about this, right? You see, you cut off a branch, you throw it on the ground, that branch isn't alive anymore. It's just a stick. Yeah, it's still, it's still made up of the same stuff, but it's going to eventually, with time, it's going to go hard. And I meet a lot of hard Christians who are trying to make sense of things. and like, hey, 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 I thought I could be a Christian and be severed from the vine. <laughs> I thought I could be a Christian and, and, and not go to church. Why am I so hard and jaded? Well, because you're not connected to the source. Duh. Like, like Jesus talked about this. 
2,000 years ago. Shocker, read the Bible, right? You see, if that's not enough, the Bible also describes the church as the bride of Christ. This is important. See, you can't love one spouse and hate the other spouse. So when it comes to marriage, like it, like it doesn't work like that. You can't be like, you know what, I like Adam, but I really don't like Shandy. It doesn't work like that. Or it's usually the other way around. <laughs> right? So imagine we're BFFs. Like we're like super tight. Like you and I, we're hanging out all the time. And we're like bro code tight. We're like, man, we're so tight, man. It's awesome. Like I'll die for you, bro. I'll die for you too. Man, this is sweet. Yeah, 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 we got this. Then you look at me and you say, bro, Adam, I love you. And I'm like, I love you too, man. And you look me in the eyes and you say, I got a problem, man. I got to tell you, I got to tell you. Your wife, I hate her. <laughs> I hate her. I, I, I don't want anything to do with her. Can it just be you and me? How about it just be you and me and we'll just forget your, get, forget your spouse ever even existed. Is that cool? Man, instantly, like, that's going to impact our friendship. <laughs> Like, I'm probably not going to invite you over to the house for dinner anymore. Like, that's kind of like, man, you've just made it super awkward for everybody in the room, right? And the same principle applies to the church. And I meet so many people who are like, you know what, you know what, you know what, you know what? Yeah, but the church, the church, the church is just, the church is brutal. Friends, you, you can't pick and choose. You need them both. The first thing we need to do to start living after the wilderness, you know what you need to do? You need to make a priority. You need to make church a priority in your calendar. Jesus did it. You should try it. See what happens. It's going to be awesome. Number two, moving forward. Uh, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. We know that. And then number two, he announced the good news about the kingdom. Jesus proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God. He, he proclaimed the gospel. When I first became a Christian, I remember hearing like one of the first sermons I heard. And it kind of, the guy opened up, the pastor opened up. He's like, hey, listen, 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 kids. Listen, guys. Is the good news good news to you? I was like, what does that even mean? What are you talking about good news? Do you understand what the good news even is? Do you know what the good news of the kingdom is? Can you articulate it? If this is your first time here and you've never been to church before, Pro. Don't worry about it. I had no idea. It took me a while to figure it out. But if you've been a Christian for a long time, and I just asked you that question, and you didn't have a quick answer, why? Have you accepted it for yourself, the good news, the kingdom of God? Because it was actually super important to Jesus. In fact, it was the driver, the motivator. It was like what got him out of bed in the morning. It is, it is what he came to announce. It is like his sole message. It's extraordinarily important. Is it so meaningful to you that you can't stop looking for opportunities to tell other people about it? Because you, you, you learned that, that, that God cares so much about you that he can save you and set you apart and change your life and give you a hope and a future. And if he can do that in you, he can do that in others. Let's go tell the world. So why are you a Christian? Have you asked yourself that question? I was in Bible school learning how to be a pastor and, and they asked me that question and, 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 it, and it floored me because I'd never thought about it. <laughs> Why are you a Christian? Are you a Christian because your girlfriend is? Or maybe because you want to find a girlfriend so you pretend you are? <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> are you a Christian because your parents are? 
Like if you ask yourself those deeper questions, if you process some of your doubt, you've done some little wrestling, like, like why, why, why are you a Christian? Why does it matter? This thought alone could revolutionize who you are from this point forward. You see, if you take the good news, if you take the kingdom of God out of your Christian routine, what do you got left? What do you have? No wonder God seems so angry. No wonder God seems distant. No wonder church is boring or irrelevant or unfulfilling. No wonder you, you question your faith when things get hard. No, no wonder you want to leave the church when things don't go your way. If you take the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, out of the mix of Christianity, we don't got nothing. Friend, the, the, the good news of the kingdom changes everything. And it's when we forget this, this is actually when our faith begins to wane and waver. And this happens to all of us. It's so subtle and it's so easy to happen. And the, the answer isn't, go get punished. The answer is, oh, right. Let's get back on the straight and narrow. So the second thing we need to do to start living after the wilderness is we need to let the good news of the kingdom lead our life. Number three, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And number three, this is what he did. He says, he healed every kind of disease and illness. Jesus healed people's hurts and diseases and modeled the practical heart of God. This is important. Quite honestly, this is like the single most, um, like, the, like the most important reason why I became a Christian. <laughs> it, was, it was that. Where I realized, oh my goodness, there's this person who claims to be God, the creator of everything, the heavens and the earth, and he actually wants to spend time with people. And not just perfect people, and not just the religious people, but if, in fact, he, he surrounded himself at all times with the hurting and the broken and the lost. I want to I be a person like that. You see, healing people's hurts was the way Jesus showed the world that his message was true. It's the way he preached the gospel in so many ways. It's the way he, he communicated that, that what he stands for, who he is, is actually legitimate and real. The problem in our world today is people don't see that. See, we're called to be healers. And that doesn't sound very flashy. It's not a very sexy term. But our church would look a whole lot different if we became healers in today's society. <laughs> Dear Jesus, help us to be healers in today's world, both supernaturally and practically, both spiritually and physically, emotionally, relationally, Let's be real. Our pathway forward as a church looks a lot more like us becoming a healing center than a rec center, right? 
See, I believe our pathway as believers in this social media world that we live in needs to look a lot more like healers than critics. The world doesn't need to see more critics online. Critics are annoying. The world needs to see more healers. I want to live the kind of Christianity that gives people hands up as opposed to meager handouts. And this pathway is inconvenient. And this pathway is inefficient. And it's so slow. And it happens when nobody's looking. And it's uncomfortable. And it's awkward. It's unglamorous. But something about this pathway feels more Christ-like than accumulating Instagram followers or breaking attendance records at events. The third thing we need to know when we want to start living outside of the wilderness after the fact, you see, we need to surround ourselves with hurting people and care for their wounds. It's that simple. I, I really hope you're encouraged today. <laughs> 29 people getting baptized. I've got two tonight officially. Maybe God's stirring something inside of you. And tonight is your night as well. You see, the people who got baptized today, they recognized that they had a hole in their heart that only Jesus could fill. And when we watch them go in the water and come back up, it's them publicly saying, hey, I want to live and serve and follow Jesus all the rest of my life. It's not saying, hey, I'm perfect and I have everything figured out. It's just saying, I want to serve Jesus. And this is real. I'm tired of the way I used to live. And I want something new and fresh. I know this pandemic's been hard on you. And I know that there are people in this room right now, I know there's people maybe watching online who've taken some real serious blows this season. Your heart hurts. Your heart hurts. And you don't actually know if you can trust Christianity anymore. Friends, this is what I call pandemic panic. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to calm your heart today. He wants to lead you once again. It's time, it's time to wake up. It's not time to press the snooze button. It's time to get out of bed. The old is gone. The new has come. That old you, it's over. You don't have to be characterized by your flaws or your weaknesses or your pain or your hurts anymore. The whole beauty of Christianity, the whole beauty of the gospel is that you can become a new creation once again in Christ. You see, you can't lead yourself out of this one. I don't care how smart you are. 
It doesn't work like that. The pathway out of this looks like surrender, actually. It's not about leading. It's about following Jesus and allowing him to lead you. And you know this in here. You know it. I'm not telling you anything new today. You're like, ah, duh, I know this. But it's almost as though in this season, you need to bring it back to here. It's time to press reset. It's time to start living again. It's time to start dreaming again. Start hoping again. Praying again. Worshiping again. Feeling a whole again. The enemy has lied to you. He's hurt you. My friend, it's time to move forward. The way we start living now, now that we're out of the wilderness, looks like this. Number one, we make church a priority in our calendar. Now you're here tonight, so you already did that. So click, good job. Crushing it, you're crushing it. The second one is, You let the good news of the kingdom lead your life. This doesn't come in your own strength, friend. This comes in your own humility. It comes in the form of saying, Jesus, I need you to restore me once again. To make me new. Because number three, you need to let God heal you today so that he can use you to help heal others. You see, there's like, (laughs) you're too important. You see, you're actually, you were actually placed here for such a time as this. God, God didn't place you here for you to sleep. God placed you here for you to live. He rescued you so that you can be a rescuer. Not so you can get cozy on the cruise ship, but so you can go out there and grab the people who are floating in the water and bring them to life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If you'd like to renew your commitment to Christ today, maybe, maybe you're raising your hand for the first time tonight. Or maybe you're gonna raise your hand for the first time in a long time. Either way, if you're saying, I wanna surrender to God, And I want Jesus to renew something inside of me. Would you raise your hand with me just for a moment? I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll wait for you. Let's all pray together. Jesus, collectively, all around this room, we thank you, God, that you're real that you see us right now exactly where we're at. And I know in my heart of my hearts that Jesus, you've got a plan for each and every person in this room, that your heart breaks, your heart aches for them. You've placed them here for such a time as this because God, you have a plan and a calling and a purpose for their lives. Jesus, would you restore the image of who we are inside of our hearts? tonight? Would you forgive us for the things that maybe we've done that we regret that we did? Jesus, would you restore hope 
Would you restore faith? Would you restore excitement? Would you restore purpose? Would you restore value? Would you restore identity tonight? That Jesus, as we move forward and as we leave here, we can leave here knowing that we came into contact with the very real most high God. And tonight, he set us free once again. Jesus, tonight we press reset. We flip the chapter over. We turn the page. And God, we look forward with great hope, great expectation to what it is that you're gonna do. Because Jesus, you rescued us to be rescuers. We have a greater purpose. And what you're doing right now is really exciting. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen.